in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Top Ten Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I'm Matt Nost, and uh, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Just prepping to uh, head on off to San Diego. We're moving in, a, in about, as we're recording this, we're moving in about uh, nine, day, nine days uh, down there. So it's a little, ner- no, actually less than that, about eight days. So it's a little nerve-wracking uh, getting all the packing done. I've only just started on the bookcases, so this weekend we'll be stacking everything all of this stuff in the bins, putting it out all in the center for yep. the movers to take, uh, and then uh, packing up all my clothes so it's ready to go Thursday morning. So I'm going down ahead of uh, the ladies so um, I can give them their last check, get the keys, and then they, we do a walkthrough of the entire place and then wait for the installers of the cable and all that stuff to show up. Uh, yeah. all, and then I'll come back up and then we'll hang out one last night in the place and then uh, be, be uh, you know, down and there, then. Right. Yeah, moving down Friday. But, dude, I booked a job hosting gig for Friday, so I won't even be able to help with the move on Friday. Lindley's a little mad that oh, she's really? going to be in charge of all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a well, little you know, you know, you know, you got to do it. You, yeah. you do what you got to do here. Exactly. Exactly. Um, how are you, man? How are things on your end? Uh, you're 2 0 Chicago Bears. How are you in life right now? Are you feeling okay? We, we yeah, we talked about that on. With golden ticket or afterwards, actually, it was post show. Uh, yeah, they're they're paper tigers. Yeah, that Swift should have caught that ball in the end zone in week <sighs> one. Yeah, and week two, Saquon goes down. Mm-hmm. Now we still have meld, you know, controlled the game, but it's not like the Giants are world beaters, right? So we could very easily be zero and two right now. Is there anything like, positive you take out of the first two weeks? <sighs> We look okay. We don't look terrible. True. So that's true. good. We don't yeah. look terrible, but we look middling is what we yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. And that's nowhere you either want to be you want to be trending up or at the top. Not it's, here's what all our draft collateral has gotten us middling. How are you and, feeling about Matt Nagy now? Do you feel like he's on a hot seat or do you think it's a there's nah, nothing to do with you in the situation? He's two and oh. He's not yeah. on the hot seat. Okay. All right. Because uh, you can always point to that, and we're like, we're winning the games we need to win. Mm-hmm. So it really comes down to obviously the rest of the season. It's only two weeks, you know what I mean? You can't take yeah. any real gauge or temperature of what is actually real and what isn't. Right. By and large, some teams, yes, uh, and other teams, not so much. Like I believe in the Packers; they look pretty legit. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. And the Seahawks, I like the Seahawks, and. I like patient. more NFC teams, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, are the chargers for real? I don't know. That's interesting though. Yeah. Well, well, they're going to stick with Tarah Taylor. So I don't know wow. what we're going to see from the kid. He needs two working lungs before he's technically <laughs> Dude, back. His own so. doctor stabbed him in the lung. He pulled a Pulp Fiction on him, man. Craziness, dude. Punctured his lung. Well, he's <laughs> trying to inject the rib into a rib or something. 
Can you imagine that? Oh, shit. It's just the pain. The pain of that had to be. Oh, sure. And the coach said that he's not mad at the doctor. (laughs) He's a good guy. Yeah. It happens. You know, you puncture the starting quarterback's rib lung sometimes. You know, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, If this was Tom Brady and that was Bill Belichick, that guy would be out of a job within the day. There's no way they keep him after that. Well, he very well is out of a job. But to do it so publicly makes it look like you hired a shitty medical staff. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, Yeah, that's true, too. If you hold on to it and eventually let him go later on in the season, oh, he had another job come up right. in like five games or something. Yeah, it's a kind of PR. Let him exit gracefully so both sides save face. I think that's where that's heading. Because well, yeah, can you tell me the team doctor of any team? No, I can, really can't. No. Exactly. So this dude has lost his fucking job. Yeah, he's uh, been on Hard Knocks though. The guy. Who did this? He has been all over Hard Knocks. Uh, so if you watch the show, I you've seen the guy a number of times this season. Okay, uh, on the show. So not a bad, not a bad season actually. I thought it was going to be kind of lame. It actually was cool with seeing the Chargers and Rams and how they were prepping. Uh, and the the Rams look like they figured something out here and are back to playing good football. And Goff yeah. looks like he's playing decent, not terrible like yeah. last year. So maybe I don't know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Do you trust that offense? I don't know. I don't don't trust anything with Goff, but he's looked good. I mean, they stomped the Eagles, um, uh, and they won their first uh, game of the year. So they feel like they might have repaired some stuff from last year, but we don't know yet. Maybe. Yeah. I don't like running back by committee. I think ultimately. It's fair. Unless your quarterback is A+. plus, Right. You need help at the very key skill positions. You need at least one alpha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't. It's a week by week cases at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So, well, the um, uh, as we're recording this, we don't know yet who are going to be in the finals, but it looked for the NBA, but it looks good with the Heat uh, with that three one lead, and then uh, the Lakers look like they got a little bit found out by these Nuggets, don't you think? A little bit, but I love that. Every week now we talk sports because there's nothing else that goes on in my life on a day-to-day basis that is remotely enjoyable. <laughs> I'm just saying from from that kind of aspect where you view from yeah. afar to follow the activities and whatnot, because yeah. everything else is political. Mm-hmm. Everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all just this wave of, fuck, man. No, all right. Son <laughs> of a shit. Okay. Okay. That's positive. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you just summed up just about every American's day. Man. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what that's side every of the day. Yeah, there's like four of those yesterday. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I yeah. mean, the Gavin Newsom saying by 2035, there's not going to be any more, uh, you know, petrol run carbon, you know, uh, fucking run <laughs> cars anymore. It's all going to be electric. Just like that's a great thing. Uh, and then you'll see five articles from client, climate, you know, scientists saying we're not good, guys. <laughs> we're all not dead. good. You're like, ha, ah, dang. You're <laughs> right when you think you're trying to do something good. <laughs> ah. Oh, I so miss the days. What's that? So, so sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sports. Fucking thing. 
I just miss the days when you could decide if you could eat eggs or not eat eggs when they were saying they were good or bad for you. Yeah. Now it's like every little thing you do or every big thing you do uh, could be good or bad. You can find people who defend one side and people who defend another side with degrees. So you're just like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. But, so it's craziness, man. Well, I tend to, if they have a degree in whatever it is, yeah, I will listen to their their counsel first. Yeah, that's true. I can choose to look elsewhere. But I'm going to start there as opposed to <laughs> somebody with the loudest voice just because they have followers or something like that. Yeah. You're like, I'm not sure that you're the learned individual for this one. Right. I'm not sure that you're the go Unless you're retweeting that other dude's tweet. Yeah. I don't know if I'm looking to you for advice on this. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, the games have been fun to watch. The Celtics oh, have been good. giving the heat everything they can handle. Um, and they're one like kind of mental lapse game away from having swept the Celtics out too, dude. It's pretty incredible. I wish the the people that listen to this, because you know, we, over the years we've discovered the ones that like sports that listen to our show, yeah, like it as much as we do, yeah, type of thing. But the Venn diagram isn't as as full as we thought, and I wish they had it because it's been so nice to have that reprieve in both of yeah. our lives, yeah, and, I agree. and so many others that yeah. it's like shit, man. I, I wish you had this. Come on board. I'll happily, you know, between the two of us, I'll, I'll help yeah. teach you to get you in. It's a fun sport. Tell you who's an asshole, who's not, yeah. where the rivalries are, like uh, just to give you something else to focus on, man, because it's been fun for that. Yeah, the playoffs have been awesome. The Heat, I, how, how do you Yeah. How do you deny it at this point? Yeah, yeah man. Um, that's just that team, that team that's feeling it, man. They have and two losses. Well. Yeah. Two. In three rounds, yeah. Tyler Hero last night. Somebody <laughs> somebody pointed out that he stopped wearing P, uh, PGs. It was on Reddit, and then like two comments later, because I just scanning it this morning. So yeah. Tyler Hero has been wearing PGs up until this round. Okay, explain switched. what PGs are for people. Oh, uh, Paul George, Paul George ones, his original yeah. version. I think he's on two or three at this point. I don't know. Uh-huh. I know he's on two minimum. Anyway, so he's wearing PGs in rounds one and two, and now since PG is no longer in it. He has switched over to, oh shit, who I'll think of it in a second. Okay. He switched. So there's all this focus on, oh, look at that. Like, you know, Hero's more clutch than PG at this point. That's why he couldn't <laughs> oh, wear those damn, shoes. Damn. Yeah. It's kind of true, at least oh. for this playoffs. True, true. Uh, he looked, I mean, every time he shot last night, I was like, that's, that's in. Even when he missed, it looked good. Yeah. He was just confident as hell. The madness of last night. When you compare it to the madness of the night before where Jokic was closing his eyes with his hands and throwing the ball, like it was insane some of the shots that Jokic was making. It's great. I was just like, wait, how he's literally just going and let's see what happened. And they're swishing and they're banging off the backboard. There were so many lucky shots by the Nuggets that game, yet they they had that chance to beat LA in the in the second game. It was there. If uh, you know, if Mm -hmm. they don't fall asleep on defense on Anthony Davis. Uh, in that one split second, and Rondo's smart enough to know how to get the ball to Anthony in the in the corner there, or in the side there. It's a it's a it's a two one series lead for the Nuggets. So yeah, this could they could have found something out. I said this after the second game. I was like, they might have found something out about the Lakers, and Game Three will show us. And they sure as hell stomped all over the Lakers in Game Three. So will this continue? Because you know LeBron's going to try to boss him out of the out of the playoffs now, yeah. just with this one victory. He's going to he play is. the refs the whole night. That's what some people are saying. He, yeah. Well, they've already publicly said, hey, the Lakers, hey, isn't it interesting that LeBron has so few free throws this series? <sighs> so he's going to be getting calls. Yeah. It's smart. Yeah, that's how you play the game. Yeah, it's part of 
the game, you lobby for because he technically hasn't complained publicly himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although he's complained about other things, but whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. That one at this point looks more intriguing because you could say the same thing about the Boston and Miami. Technically, after four games, they both scored 441 points. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's that. not like this is a runaway. It's just right. 3-1 because things trended in certain directions. Yeah. But at the same time, I am not denigrating what the Heat have done. It's been fantastic to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I love it. I wish, yeah, once again, everybody out there that doesn't like sports, get on board. It's, yeah. it's really good. <laughs> it's really yeah. good. It's the one thing we have that seems untainted by everything else that's yes. going on. Well, yeah. still, there's it creeps in, and that's fine. I'm I'm yeah. fine with that because right. overall they're providing a hell of a distraction for me. I do find it fascinating, though, Matt, and it's real quick, uh, and I know we got to get into the show, but real quick, I find it fascinating. I don't know about you if you've been watching this, but, like, all of a sudden, all these commentators are able to speak freely at ESPN about these social justice situations, about Beyond Taylor, about mm-hmm. uh, about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as R- Rachel Nichols did the other night, and you're just like, you are firing people left and right if they spoke out about this, and now you're okay with it all of a sudden. Like uh, Jamel Hill was ushered ushered out of ESPN for saying the things that she said, but then you have Jalen Rose going off about the Breonna Taylor thing. You have Rachel Nick. Do they did they sense that maybe the country's flipped in a way, and so they feel safe that they can do this now? Because before they it was like a mandate that you can't talk to social justice oh, yeah, stuff on ESPN. Politics was not allowed in the yeah. slightest. I think it's just a. It's emblematic of the year in general. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't know. Of course, it's like this. Yeah. 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 Just fascinating. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, are we ready to get into the show, man? Uh, yeah. I am down. I think that's okay. enough kibitzing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to guess anybody. We lose too many people because we're talking sports and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we got a lot to we like a lot to get into today. Uh, mm-hmm. We got a great, awesome list here. Was this a one that we came up with? Or is this a suggestion from somebody? No, this is from uh, Patreon. This is our boss hog for the month. Okay, it's the uh, top ten best movies under ninety minutes. That's uh, an hour and thirty or mm-hmm. under. Um, and do we know who suggested this topic to us, Matt? At this point, or do we have? Yes, I've got it right okay. in front of me. Great. Who who is it? From uh, James Leggett. Oh, thank you, James. All right. And uh, he just, he's ready to roll with his list. Just jumps right. I guess he's got a postscript to throw on there, but nothing up top. All right. But yeah, it was his choice. So he put it out and, you know, he sent it to us and we both went, hey, that looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started looking into it. And technically, I would say there's minimum of almost six figure movies that would fit technically into this category. If you go to IMDb and you just look. Right. If you search for 90 minutes and under there's i mean so many tens of thousands it's ridiculous technically i'm sure Uh, if you jump back in the 30s 40s and 50s there's a crap ton of them that are under 90 minutes but i'm just saying if you want to set the cap from like say 45 minutes to 90 yeah i would say fifty thousand movies count there's oh right i mean think about that yeah it's under 90 where do you where do you cut off saying (laughs) it's a movie because in 1910, like you could only have so much of those reels because they were a fire hazard if you collected too many in one area. It's true. So movies were only so long. Yeah. It's like, well, technically, you know, the show pony from yeah. 1907 yeah. is valid because that was a movie in their time. I didn't do that, but it's yeah. like, fucking Christ, I didn't realize the Herculean task we had just set forth for ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah. So under that, like I tried to go... 
about 70, 75 to 90. Okay. Somewhere in there. All right. Maybe, maybe a little, you know, 65. I don't think so, but I tried to go 70, 75. Okay. I try to pick uh, movies that I, I try to do the Matt Nost approach to this one. I try to pick movies that I didn't, that we haven't talked about that much, uh, that are some of my favorites. Um, and they run the gamut. And uh, I had a list of like, like you, I had a list like probably of like 80 to 90 movies that I, because I just wrote the ones I liked. And then from there, really pared down the ones I really, really liked. And then from there, the ones I actually want to talk about on the show. So, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting experience, to say the least, to uh, to do this list. I, and I liked it. It was a nice challenge. We, it is. We, and we don't get too many of these nowadays. Yeah. I matched uh, your flavor matching my flavor, which is I just chose 10 random movies because <laughs> even random. going between right. 70 and 70, well, not random, but not yeah. the true topic because it's like, even 70 minutes to 90 minutes, we're still talking about a thousand movies. I cannot legitimately say I've seen 900 of those thousand, yeah. 800 of, yeah. I don't know, 600. So it's just like, this is, I can't do that technically. So I just was like, <laughs> well, you know what? We've never talked about this movie. I think we've only talked about this one once or twice. And I did the right. same thing. So we're talking about, it sounds like we're talking about all kinds of different, maybe 20 different movies. Yeah, it might be. And so this will be interesting when we put it all together. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of coins being flipped yeah. uh, for this particular uh, list that we're putting together. So, um, all right. Uh, if we're ready to go, Matt, do you want to tell them how the show works? Sure. Once uh, James gave us that sweet topic, we went our individual ways and created personal top 10. Let's show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Um, all right. Um, start us off, my man. All right. At 10, I've got pie. Oh, good choice. Yep. Not on my list, but great choice. It is. a. have only seen it once. Okay. But it sticks with you. It's like a Requiem or it's like a, just a weird, I can still go through the arc of the movie. So it's a guy uh, trying to discover, you know, he thinks there's a hidden meaning within Pi. And then all these, there's a religious people that come in and think that Pi actually is the name of God. So that's why you have to keep calculating. And there's another group that comes in. And everybody has their ideas what Pi's meaning is. Right. And it, it drives them loonies. Uh, loony, rather. So it's just this weird kind of build, and it's got a interesting pace. This is what this announced Oranovsky, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so I didn't see it until I'd seen two or three of his others. I had heard of it, but I'd never seen it. Right. And then I watched it, and I was like, man, that is really strange. Like, yeah. highbrow concept, well executed. It's got an art house feel, but it doesn't feel like, you know, student film. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just really good. Plus, I don't think we've ever talked. Maybe once. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's like Pi and Following and Cube. Those three were right around the same time. One announcing Aronofsky, the other announcing Nolan. And I can't remember who did Cube. But those were like kind of these kind of like, you know, first forays into these into the world of theatrical releases from these young directors. And Pi was such an interesting watch and following being black and white as well. Like very interesting watch as well. So overall, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed pie and I like Aronofsky as a director. He's not always, yeah, you know, you know, not always nails it, but he certainly challenges you as a viewer. He's not a guy that's going to make like a million, you know, like seven, 20, $30 million off a movie himself, but he challenges you as, as a viewer and you can hate him or like him, but I like the fountain. And I know a lot of people don't, they find yeah. it pretentious or nutty, but I enjoyed the fountain. 
All right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think Ornowski is hit and miss for me. Yes. Uh, I agree with that because mother was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But at least he's making choices. Even if I don't like the movie, it's like, well, he had a strong vision and idea as to what he was doing. I still have faith in him going forward. Right. Which right. every movie he makes may not be for me, but you've already made some that are engaging, very yeah. interesting, uh, visually unique to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I'll ride with him again. Yeah, because Requiem for a Dream, a lot of people, like, it's a difficult movie to watch, but it's damn good. It is damn good. The Wrestler is really good, in yep. my opinion. Black Swan is good. Sure. Um, I'll even defend Noah, to be honest with you. I enjoy watching Noah. Uh, he took some swings on that one. Yeah, I know. It's not for everybody. It's not good, though. <laughs> I mean, say so. I, it I is, like it. Not, I saw it in the theater, man, mm. and uh, that was not good. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. What's your number nine, man? Uh, my number nine is uh, Monster Squad. Oh, good choice. Nice, nice. I think it's the 80s, right? 80s or 90s classic? Yeah. Late, late 80s, early 90s. But um, I discovered it when it was on VHS. I didn't I didn't know. And it felt oh, like okay. I thought it was going to be a shitty like knockoff. You know what I mean? Like a Mac right. and me level production type of thing. Right. Uh, and I just happened. It was on cable or something. Or maybe it was the VHS. But it was around that, that time. Yeah. And I watched it. And I was like, that was so good. So good. You take all these monsters from the past. You got Dracula, you got werewolf and all that, but to, to make it feel fresh and still, it doesn't feel like, like stale, tired cliches. Uh, and it's just these kids that have to fight all of the universal monsters that, you know, Tom Cruise tried to set up for himself and just couldn't pull off. Yeah. They did it in one movie. Those, you know, badasses <laughs> but i think it's all in there yeah i think it translates so if you want to watch it with your 10 12 year old whatever they would enjoy it and the parent mm-hmm. would enjoy it along with yeah. uh, i don't know how often i go back for it now but i would not watch it again you know what i mean yeah 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 a lot of people love this movie a lot of people reference this movie i know as one of these classic 80s films and um shane black was the co-screenwriter for this uh so kind of interesting thing on his resume as well. Not a lot of names necessarily in the no. cast. I mean, John Grease is in the cast, who some of you may know from Napoleon Dynamite and about a million other films that he's been in. Uh, but yeah, what you talk about there with uh, uh, Dracula and Frankenstein's monster, Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Van Helsing's in this thing, The Mummy. So, so many of these classic characters. And it's fun. It's a fun it film. Uh, and yeah, at times does it feel dated? Sure. But the energy of it is is timeless. And when you watch it, it's a blast to get to kind of see it for the first time or revisit it. You know, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the Goonies fights monsters, but better. Yeah. No, better than the Goonies. Yeah, it's I not agree. better than the Goonies. I think that's what you're saying. I think that's what you're saying. That's fine. We established long ago that you were dead inside whatever part of you that, that should have captured the magic of true cinema that is supposed to Whoa. spark life into the viewer especially in that of someone under the age of i don't know 18 or 16 sure, or sure. in the magic i was much younger but i think the range upon first viewing is just as effective for all those sure, uh, sure. so you know we are we are tiny but mighty uh crew of people who enjoy good cinema and goonies does not fit our our, our criteria but fair fair i might be dead inside uh for that movie that's for that's- sure <laughs> Some guy tries to defend Transformers 
Hey, hey this isn't a racist uh, piece of shit. Or I didn't say that. I didn't say that. That second one is racist. I th- I've said this a million oh, yeah. times. I don't like that second one. What about Age of Extinction? How do you defend that movie? China? That was them just trying to make money, man. That's a studio. One of many choices. In that's that not movie. a Michael Bay situation. What about, what about the fucking Bud Light placement by Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> it was so gratuitous. He's perfectly holding the bottle. It's oh, what are you, you guys? Don't worry. You're going to make a billion dollars. Listen, Pepsi's all over Back to the Future. Give me a break. They, there is product placement. It's totally everywhere. fucking different. And you know it. Because Ow, it's all over the place. How? Because that wasn't the 17th in a line of billion dollar franchise movies. That was the first. This has already literally made $5 billion at the box office. You don't need it, you greedy fucks. Well, I mean, you know, if it works, it works. If it works, it works. <sighs> <laughs> we just shot a lot of alien robots. Let me make sure that no matter where I turn, this the label stays perfectly. In so the what you're saying is if you're up 56 to 10 in the Super Bowl, you don't want to be throwing the ball. Is that what you're trying to say? If it's you're your winning by Super that much. Bowl in a row, yes. There are not even seven movies in that franchise. It was the th- it was the fourth one. Fine, fine. Your fourth <laughs> Super Bowl in a row. You oh. don't need to pass. No, Take a knee. Yeah, but a listen, delay a game. Lose some want, yardage for the other team. I want this very clear. I don't defend these films as great cinema or anything like that. They're guilty pleasures and they're fun to watch. I know people hate them, but I just want to make sure that's clear. Some people come at me about criticism while they have like 10 Adam Sandler films that suck. And you're going to be like, oh, okay, you can come at me for Transformers. Give me a break. Everyone's got their guilty pleasures, for God's sakes. Come on. True. But comedy is subjective, whereas I think action films aren't as much. You think action films aren't subjective? What? As much. As Any much. film is subjective, for God's True. sakes. True. But I'm saying on the ones where you have like – you don't walk out of an action movie and go, I didn't see enough explosions. Whereas you walk out of a comedy going, I didn't laugh that much. Mm. If it doesn't get you, it doesn't get you for the whole fucking thing. Whereas an action movie could be like, you know what? It sucked in the beginning, but that last action sequence was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, like okay. Godzilla, I'm not a fan of, but the, you know, if you were really into that final action, great. Good for you. Okay. All right. I just think that comedy is much more subjective. Uh, anyway. You say so. Anyway, so you're saying pass when you're up 57, nothing. All right. I'm not saying, well, yeah. Because I'm saying if you're really, if you don't want me to keep scoring on you, then stop me. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I I mean, it's just a weird parallel. (laughs) You're already making a a factory film. It just seems to me like an odd thing to be upset about. You know, they're going to do it. Oh, it's one of many. It's the going to China. There's also the Chinese product placement, like Tucci needlessly. Holds that little juice box. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Like, oh, Jesus, you had to get money from the Chinese guys, too? <laughs> Listen, I hate to break it to you, but films aren't about art. They're about commerce. If they happen to be artistic, great. Right. But the goal is to make money so they can stay alive to make those artistic films. So for every product placement issue you have, yes. you'll get a interstellar or you'll get one of these more nuanced films that are funded. The product placement if it's not gratuitous and just ham fisted. All right. If they, if they subtly like in the middle, they, you know, exploded into a truck, but made the truck even more pivotal part of the scene. And then the end, like in, what is that? Guardians two, 
when Nebula eats the fruit that's not ripe yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's part of the scene and it's like this bottle going around and it hit Mark Wahlberg once or twice and at the end he like breaks the top or something, takes a drink, like right. gets out of it. It's been an action piece within this. Yes. Okay. If it's just this shameless breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where I find fault. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't mind the commerce. Just do it artfully for Christ's sakes, Michael Bay. Artful commerce. Got it. All right. Yep. What's your what's your number eight? My number eight is the general, the Buster Keaton. Wow, nice choice, man. A little silent film. All right, go ahead. It fully holds up. Mm-hmm. If you were to go back and watch it now, there's genuinely a couple just they're straight sight gags. Yeah. But they make you you don't die laughing. But I genuinely chuckle to myself like that's a that's a good fucking joke. Yeah. And it's all the physicality of it. Yeah. And he managed to do it a couple different times, like in the beginning, in the middle, he's got like the sack and whatnot when he's got the girl in there. And then on the train later on, he's dealing with the the soldiers that are trying to take him out. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, because, you know, he's a Confederate general or a mm-hmm. Confederate wannabe soldier, by the way. It's yeah. Interesting choice. <laughs> uh, he wants to join, you know, fight those devil blue coats. Uh, but he's doing it to impress a girl because he's in love with a girl uh, and he sees that everyone else is signing up. So he wants to sign up and fight, but it's only to impress a girl, not because he has a one a political leaning one way or the other. It's just to impress a girl. And then he sees all the nuttiness of it all, you know. Well, yeah, he gets denied a couple of times because he works on the train, so he's too valuable, but they don't tell him that. Right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, because some silent films you go back for and you're like, wow, this is, you know. It's such broad strokes. Yeah. Because it has to be. This is a new medium. Right. You're trying to communicate and to still see like the subtle little bits in the great comedic timing mm-hmm. all these years later. Uh, you know, he's, yeah. it, he's, that's why he's one of the best. It genuinely, if you've never seen it, it's worth yeah. the watch. Yeah. I, I remember watching it for the first time, maybe three or four years ago on TCM. Um, cause I was like trying to make a run. I think it was after our metropolis episode that we did that Thunderdome episode. Okay. I was like, you know what? I need to watch some more of these silent films. So I started uh, like looking for them on TCM and then scheduling them to be recorded. And one of the ones I watched was the general and I, cause I'd never seen it before. And I was like, this is actually damn good. It's not even black and white. It's more sepia tone than black and white. Um, and it's very interesting to watch what he does and remember, this is at that time where they weren't like, well, where's my stunt double? Where's let's let's really map out this stunt to like fully and try it a hundred times before we film it. This is like yeah. they had to shoot these films quick. So they're coming up with these stunts and seeing if they can pull them off. And it's madness to see how close they come to to hurting themselves or to breaking stuff or whatever. And there are there I think they've released at times some behind the scenes stuff where you've seen some messed up mm-hmm. takes or you've seen them mess. And you're just like, Holy shit. It's like, why these are the Jackie, J- Jackie Chan stuff. Yeah. When you see the messed up takes in the, uh, in the end credits. You're just like, what? it's a miracle. These people live. It's a miracle. with Some of the yeah. stuff they come up with. I I've seen a breakdown of what everything they had to do to make that Buster Keaton where he f- tries to jump between roofs or does oh, he fall yeah. out the window and he yeah. goes down and hits the three canopies. Cause that's a legit stunt. Yeah. So how do they do that? They've got a few, like that one where he grabs onto the car. He right. had to have a metal hook and a harness on him because otherwise it would tear your arm out of socket. Yep. Even still, with the metal harness, it's going to jostle your body like oh, fucking totally. crazy. 
And that's one of 10 amazing comedic stunts that he does. Dude, he's, it's impressive when you go back and watch. The yeah. general doesn't have his, those huge ones like he's done in others. Uh, I think some of the best comedy is more the subtle, at least by silent film standards, subtle stuff. Right, right. But yeah, it's when the, the best of that era is genuinely, you can go back for it. Yeah, yeah. The Harold Lloyd Safety at Last, that's an awesome one. Who's climbing that clock when he's climbing on the clock? I've that's only incredible. seen that part of it. I've never seen oh, the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing's got it. I mean, that's the most famous one of they, but there's the whole thing has an insane amount of stunts. When he's actually climbing the building, when he's going through the building, like there's so many stunts in safety yeah. at last. I think there are more stunts in the Keaton stuff and in uh, the Harold Lloyd stuff than there are necessarily in Charlie yeah. Chaplin stuff. Chaplin was more about like the story itself and yeah. the stunts were in addition to the story. But uh, with these, a lot of these, the stunts are really a huge part of the story. So, it's, you know, I, I appreciate that very much. Um, all right. So that was your eight. Okay, so then my number 10 is uh, Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Okay, great yeah. choice. Love this film. It's slowly become one of my favorite Hitchcock films, A, because it's shot like a, a play. In essence, it's shot, uh, I think most of it is shot in one take, um, and uh, it's an incredible uh, exploration of the arrogance of two young guys who uh, test their professor. They invite him to a party, and James Stewart plays the professor. They invite him to the party, They've killed someone and put that person inside a chest of drawers and one of these – or a trunk, rather, and, and they've laid like a, a – I don't know, can, a, a cover over top of it and yep. put like food or candles on. So they're tr- one of the guys uh, is trying uh, to – because he's a bit of a sociopath. He's getting joy – or a psychopath, really, since he killed. He's getting joy out of trying to outsmart his uh, teacher – and the other kid is losing his mind uh, mm-hmm. and he's trying to like leave little hints to see if James Stewart can catch on. And then it becomes a cat and mouse game throughout this dinner party where other people are showing up. There's a girlfriend here that shows up uh, and all of that goes on with her. So, so much about this film. It's a tight, I think is 70 some minutes. Uh, but throughout, you're just like waiting for him to, ca- to catch on to what's happening. Then once he catches on to what's happening, you're watching them play games with each other throughout these psychological mind games. Uh, almost a, co- almost a, a uh, what we call it, a, a, a horror of manners, a mystery of manners, because okay. no one's flat out saying it, but they're all alluding around it in crafty ways until they get to that end. So I, I really enjoyed it. Hitchcock did a great job with this one. I I already knew all that about it. I haven't seen it, mm. but I've heard it discussed and the, yeah. the shooting style and whatnot. Cause isn't that the one where he tried to do it? In, well, it's made to look in one take. Yeah. It made to look like all in one take. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got very specific cut points, but it's these mm-hmm. long extended scenes between, I know quite a bit about it. I just, I haven't seen it. Yeah. All right. I, I going through this, that was one I came across and I was like, uh, you know what? Um, one day, one day <laughs> i got nothing against it it's just no, it's no. one of many movies that i just haven't seen yet it's one of those one day movies i totally get that i have those too i have like a list of those yeah yeah like, someday I'll get one day to. i will it's not a, yeah i want to yeah. yeah the other thing about the film that i think is brilliant is the, the name rope uh makes so much sense because that's what it feels like that you're when you're watching it you're in the tension it feels like the rope tightens around your neck as you're watching the film as it goes along because you start to really get into the tension of it all uh, and almost like, you know, losing your breath a little bit to what's happening. So yeah, good stuff there overall. All, all right, right. Then my, my number nine is uh slow West. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. One of, 
one of my favorite Westerns that have come out in the last 10, 15 years. Just really enjoy this one uh, with uh, um, uh, Ben. Uh, yeah, Michael Fassbender. Mendelssohn is the villain. Mendelssohn, yeah. Yeah, and the Hound is in this thing as the father of the girl that the main That's kid. It. The kid, he's been in a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, I think it's Cody Smith McPhee is the kid's yes. name. Yeah? Yes. Yeah, so um, he is great in the film. Really enjoy uh, what he brings to it yeah. and the journey he goes on. Because it's like it's a journey that isn't necessarily going to lead to a happy ending uh, if, you know, if things are to if you're watching it, you don't know if it's going to end in a happy ending. So you're on a knife's edge throughout the whole film and it takes its time. Uh, It takes its time getting to where it's going to get to. He's an Irish kid. He's going after this girl. He's in love with this girl. Uh, Karen Pistorius plays the girl uh, and he goes through all this weird stuff to try and get to her. Uh, and by the end, I'm not going to ruin it, but by the end, a lot of stuff happens uh, to him and to Michael Fassbender, who he picks up kind of along the way to yes. help him on this journey. Wow. And then, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Yeah, you can't really say. I mean, I want to talk about one of my favorite scenes in it, but it's just like I don't want to spoil the movie because nobody saw. Right. It's not really a spoiler, but it kind of is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like, you know what? It It is a lot of fun. I um, I just don't. I saw it. I don't think it captured the same amount of magic it did for for you. I wish it yeah. had. Mm-hmm. I loved yeah. Fastbender in it. I mean, I yeah. loved Fastbender in it, but I understand why he's you know not the primary. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm always on the hunt for new and interesting westerns, and I put this in the pile with the proposition, with um, um, salvation, mm. with uh, the mo- uh, with the ballad of Buster Scruggs and uh, and the assassination of good. Jesse James. Huh? Buster Scruggs? Yeah. Surprisingly good. I yeah. saw the trailer for that and I was like, that looks terrible. And then I watched <laughs> it and I was like, this is great. Yeah. Incredibly unusual stuff. I mean, if you yeah. keep a genre alive, and there have been so many great classic westerns, you got to find new ways to have fun within the genre. And I feel like uh, Slow West does, because Slow West is exactly its title. It takes its damn time, even though it's uh, like an hour and 28 or hour and 27 minutes the movie it takes its time getting to where it's going so it asks you as a viewer to just kind of enjoy spending time with these characters as you go their sisters brothers that's another one that just came out that or brother sisters whatever his name is with john c Riley and uh joaquin phoenix that's another one that i is a completely unusual western uh yeah i like that movie that was good Mm -hmm. i haven't thought about that since since i saw it or right around that time yeah 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 i can see why it didn't resonate for everybody but that was fun Right, and I hardly made any money, but it's, yeah. it was damn good. All right, then my number eight um, is a fr- is the French film Breathless, which is uh, one of my favorite okay. uh, films uh, ever made. Uh, such a fantastic, uh, uh, just uh, it's a conversational film. Uh, you know, this guy he's uh, broken the law and he's on the run in Paris, and he hooks up with this uh, girl, and 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 they walk around Paris and have this relationship around Paris as they get to know each other. Uh, he, he's a thief who steals a car, then he kills a policeman. So it's not a strong, like it's not a guy you necessarily want to be uh, having as your protagonist. But for whatever reason, it works. And he he, ta- he hooks up with this American uh, and they uh, who is Gene Seberg, who they just did a film about. 
that Kristen Stewart was in playing the character of Gene, uh, playing the actress Gene Seenberg. Not a good film, but this film is incredible. It's one of my, it's yeah. my favorite Jean Luc Godard film. And uh, I'm not a big, I'm not always the biggest fan of some of these uh, uh, French new wave uh, directors, but I do enjoy Breathless and I do enjoy the conversations they're having, not just about man woman relationships, but about the world and about what's happening. Remember, this is 19, what, 50. What year is this? 1960. So 1960, around the cusp of okay. all this change that's coming, the nuclear war, uh, the, I mean, the nuclear, uh, you know, the Cold War that's happening, all the stuff that's going to be coming up here in the 60s. But it comes at a certain time. And so if you haven't seen Breathless, I can't encourage you enough to watch it. Some great di- dialogue, great scenes, twists and turns throughout. Uh, and it's a criterion. It's what I own. It was one of the first ones I ever bought. Um, and it's great, just great film uh, that takes its time as well. Um, and uh, don't see the the remake with Richard Gere. That is not good. So, okay. You ever seen this one? Nope. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Jean-Paul Belmondo plays the lead, who's a very well-known French actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, check it out. <laughs> That's what I can tell you. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> All right. What's your number seven, man? Uh, seven is Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Oh, nice choice, dude. Uh, nice choice. I've, yeah, I've only put it on one list that I know of. Okay. Uh, so, out of nowhere, just an excellent... It's kind of what really helps you like even Alan Tudyk even more. Because mm-hmm. he has all these different types of characters. He is a chameleon on some level. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait till... Eventually, he's going to get a meaty Oscar role. And he's going to win an Oscar. Yeah, maybe I genuinely someday. think so. Sure. Yeah. Uh, even if it's a supporting. It's, right. It, because he's transformed into so many different people. Sometimes he plays an idiot, which he plays an idiot with a heart. Yeah. He's not fully an idiot in this one. You know, he's smart in his own capacity. Right. Uh, and his friend. Uh, uh, yeah, just these teenagers show up. It's the, it's a comedy of errors. They look so intimidating. The te- teenagers are freaked out, but they're really just kittens. And yeah. the one dude, the, the non-Alan Tudyk, wants nothing more than just like to, to befriend them. He's a big dog mm-hmm. and they view him as a predator. Uh, but just the tear, what kills me, what slays me is at one point, it, I think I believe it's Tudyk and he's just cut through a log that has bees in it. Mm-hmm. And then he is running afterwards with the chainsaw because the bees are chasing him and the kids happen to show up and they already think that, that they're creepy. They yeah. kind of show up at their cabin, but it's not, a cheap coincidence type of thing. Mm-hmm. And the kids are already running because one of them inadvertently got staked. Like once again, it's just plausible. So one of the guys is running and then Tudyk is running next to him and he's got the, the chainsaw yeah. and the kid is running from him. Cause he thinks it's Tudyk and Tudyk is like running next to him. Like it's bees, man. <laughs> like, but it's a look on the face. It's the comedic timing. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a well thought out, executed, simple yet smart comedy horror. Right. Uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't cool. seen it, go check it out. <laughs> Isn't is Tyler Labine in this one? Is that Tyler Labine? Is that is it, it the heavy set guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, usually has a five o'clock yeah. shadow or like a slight beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy's funny because I remember him on that show Reaper. He was very funny on Reaper. The, the show was on like a year and a half or something on CW. Okay. Um, all right. What's your six? My six is Attack the Block. Oh, good choice, man. Great choice. I, I I thought we had spoken about it before a couple of times, so okay. I left it off the list. But if 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 uh, yeah, it's good you put it on the list, man. That's great. Great. Choice. I can only think of one 
It was instead of uh, I know it's one, maybe two. I think it's two. I don't think three. All right. So fair. in five years and change of shows, yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. Yeah, totally. Uh, but maybe there's more. You know, it's not like either of our memories are perfect at this point. <laughs> that's fair too. So yeah. Someone can point it out. Actually, it's been seven episodes. Uh, you know, uh, seven from which you've said. Yeah. <laughs> and God bless you if you do it. I'd love to know what they are. Yeah. Because uh, I couldn't tell you with a gun to my head. Um, so it's like the block is it's uh, the aliens themselves are somehow simultaneously awful and amazing. Yeah. Uh, You think they're going to trend awful and the little hook they have with them with the teeth is so effective that it's uh, now it's completely flipped into this is actually pretty fantastic. Yeah. You got uh, what Nick Frost, John Boyega's first movie. Yeah. Couldn't tell you who else is in it. I think there's at least one or two other names. Jodie Whittaker is in it, who's okay. the current Doctor Who, the female yeah, Doctor yeah, yeah. Who. She's in she it, was yeah. a doctor that tries to yes, like uh, right. Yep. Somebody comes in hurt or something, and then she ends up down at that block. And then Nick Frost is a middleman for a weed grower, and he just yeah. sells weed, and he's kind of friends with the kids. He's just kind of big galoot. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's it, it's good. Yeah, he's Baloo in essence from Jungle Book. Yeah. Yeah. Except a stoner version. I think Joe uh, Wright is the director on this one. Am I right on that? That I don't know. Okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the guy who did the church or the, the one that Gary Oldman won the Oscar for the Churchill film. Uh, oh, really? Hour. I think, let me see. Here. <laughs> the darkest hour, you know, the first darkest hour. 